Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. He'll get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francis on the fan. Sports Radio 66. All right, we take it till 6.30 on this President's uh, Day, a holiday for most people, a holiday week for a lot of kids this week. School's out a lot of places, so we have that. Brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always. Brought to you by those who drink it, so Casamigos, as always, brings you our program uh, each and every day. And obviously the uh, baseball hasn't gotten out from under at all. Um, The All-Star game to me is, listen, nice tribute to Kobe, as you would expect, touching. Uh, nice touch, uh, no issues with any of that, no shit, anybody. I mean, uh, uh, you knew that was going to be an overriding theme. But as far as the rest of it, I, could, I you know, I don't want to get in I, the format, none of it. I couldn't even make it through the first. Uh, I couldn't make it through the first quarter. I tried. I couldn't make it through three or four trips down the floor when basically I, I see three guys who are on offense. The only three guys who are on their way down the floor, nobody on defense. You know, guys hanging and dunking and hanging and laying the ball in. I'm like, come on, I, I can't take anymore. So, you know, after watching that for three or four trips, I was like, this, I don't know what it is. It's not basketball. So uh, I just can't get involved. So what happened after that? Sorry, I, I have no interest. Um, when the manager was named, I mentioned that one of the things that was going to be interesting was how he was going to handle a couple of the issues that were going to be presented to him. And one of them I mentioned was clearly Cespedes. Because Cespedes has this feeling that there are no rules for Cespedes. Cespedes does what he pleases. I'm going to play right field, let's play right field. He, you know, he wants to come and go, he comes and goes. He wants to do this, he does this. I mean, and even though he hasn't been there for a while, I'm sure Cespedes still thinks he can, he's already said it, that he can go out there and you know, hit 40 home runs. And there are people who will believe that he can. And I understand that. He's on his walk here. He's, he's going to have to sing for a supper next year. He's going to have to be on a, he's on a walk here, which you like. A player like, he, like Cespedes is motivated by that. We know the God-given ability that he has. He's, got, he's one of the rare players who can actually carry a ball club. We've seen him do it. He carried this ball club. We all know, as Mets fans know, that he can be a dominant player when he sets his mind to it. Now, you don't know what the injuries have kind of told they have taken. We don't know that. We also know that he takes a team that is limited in its approach with certain players. Limited defensively trying to fit the right offensive players into the right slots without killing the defense on the team. And he's got to play into that. There's no DH for him to call, to call home. 
There's no DH for Davis to call home. You would like to, I thought it would be fair, really fair to find one home for McNeil. Now, McNeil's versatility allows you to move him around. He's not going to kill you defensively. He might not thrill you at every position, but he's not going to kill you at the position. You got a first baseman who's going to play every day. So you're not going to pick up any, you know, unless barring an injury, he's not going to be out very often. He's going to play most games. You got a catcher who obviously has got his issues defensively. He's a good offensive catcher. You got Cano who you got to figure out exactly what number we're talking about. And I don't have a lot of faith in Lowry. Clearly, Lowry could offer them death. I doubt he could play short at this stage. I, I, I would. I mean, maybe in a pinch. But I think you're looking at second and third with McNeil. You're looking at third and second with Davis. You might be looking at left. You can't put him in right. And Cespedes, remember, will not play right. So if you're going to give Cespedes left, that means Davis has got to squeeze his way into the infield to get at bats. Which means Diego goes to third and McNeil goes to second. Lowry's role and how that works, if there is a role. Cespedes' role and how that works. Davis's role and how that works and how all this plays into that you don't kill the defense on a team that is going to rely on a starting pitching. We know they have some power. We know they could have, been, they could have a lot of power if things break right. But you're still trying to accentuate the pitching and not put it together a destructive team defensively. If you look at it, best case scenario as as you go around the diamond with them. A catcher, defensively, at best, they're okay. At best, they're average. At best, that includes all parts. Glove, calling the game, throwing runners out. First base, he's average. He's not bad. And we thought he's better than he was supposed to be. I agree. Well, he's supposed to be below average. He's average. Second base, Cano is still above average, but his range is not what it once was. We know he's got good hands, but he's not what he once was. He's got a good infield arm, make turn a double play, but catch what he gets to, but he's still no longer going to be a gold glove type. Rosario, average. Blows hot and cold, makes the great play, doesn't make the standard play. Third base, again, at best average. And if Davis there, sub-average. Left field, Cespedes can be above average if he's there and he's healthy, but that's asking a lot. So you'd say average. Davis, below average. Center field, with Nemo, average. Riznik, above average, but he's not how much is he going to play. And then Conforto. Again, average, you know, not great, but okay. Not going to hurt you, but not going to, you know, you're not going to be thrilled. So they don't have a, they don't have a plus defender, and they have a lot of places when they move guys where they can be three or four spots where they're negative defenders on a team that is going to rely heavily on a pitching staff. Now, we know they do have some strikeout pitches, but they also have some pitches that are going to try and get some people out with ground balls, and. How you're handling that's going to be key. 
So defense, as a from a team standpoint, is going to be an issue. And dealing with how Cespedes a impacts the team, the team is not going to want to spend all all spring training talking about Cespedes when he refuses to talk to anybody. It's then questions go to everybody else about Cespedes. How do you think Cespedes looks? What do you think Cespedes is? They don't want to do that. That gets tiring right away. So he can be a positive. He can be a distinct negative. So he runs a very big gamut for you. And you're going to want to see early in spring training. What are you seeing from Cespedes? What are you seeing from Lowry? Are there clear paths to playing time for Davis? Clear paths to playing time for Lowry? Does McNeil have to spend a lot of time jumping back and forth? So again, I mean, Cespedes would be better suited to right field, put Conforto on center field, and then you can worry about everything else and juggle guys around. But he does bring you some attractiveness. You also you wonder if he's going to be ready to play at the start of the season. We don't know. Can he be his old self? We don't know. Could you trade him off? Maybe. I could see him being attractive if he showed a live bat early on. But is he worth keeping? Is he too much of a headache? How about dealing with all these issues and then trying to fit all these pieces together? So there's a lot there. There really is. Lowry, big question mark right now. Cespedes, bigger question mark right now. And a lot of little question marks as you go around the diamond. Manfred let Houston handle his press conference without any supervision. He got burned. And then he went and gave a big interview, and he burned himself. But what do these players expect? Do they expect somehow, does somebody expect that, A, they're going to take the trophy away, which I thought was a long shot. But does somebody think they're going to get the trophy handed to them? No chance. Even taking it away, even vacating it was going to be very, very much a long shot. And the players were not going to get punished here. They were not. He was not going to fight that war with the Players Association. Plus, the guys were not in position of authority. See, the manager and the general manager always had the right and the authority to stop it. The owner did. The general manager did. The manager did. They always had the right. No matter what the players said, they could have said, hey, we're done with this. Case closed. We're done with this. And that's why they paid the price because of that. Because they are in the position of authority. And the player who is always, always walking that fine line between what I will do to do to what I will do to increase performance and what I won't do to increase performance. What I will do legally to increase the performance and how close will I come to the line to increase performance? It's always about performance. And for all those who, who are so high and mighty about this, hey, when is it gamesmanship and when is it cheating? When you've got juiced players, is that cheating or is that gamesmanship? If you're doctoring the baseball, if you're using sandpaper, if you're scuffing the baseball, if you're using some kind of you know, petroleum product on the baseball, is that gamesmanship or is that cheating? Fine line here. 
Stealing signs was always considered a baseball art, but now that you use technology, clearly goes along past the lines of decency. But what about the other times? There were accusations about this going back to the Dodgers in nineteen fifty-one. Dodgers and Giants, nineteen fifty-one. It's not exactly a new issue. That is seventy years ago. All right, we're here to 6.30. Summer's at 6.30. We'll try to squeeze a couple of calls in, as I promised. So what we'll do on every day is load up. We'll try and take three or four or five. We'll tr- maybe some days we won't. Maybe some days we will. But we'll have them loaded up just in case in case we can get to them. And we will try most nights to try and get to them. Back after this. All right. Uh, you know this stuff never ends as far as uh, what's going on with the players, what's going on with the Astros. They did a terrible job. I mean, nightmarish job handling things. But stuff like, you know, Altuve shouldn't have won the MVP. All right, except I looked at his splits, and he played better on the road than he did at home. So how did the steal the signs help him if he, play, if he hit better on the road? Don't you have to have some evidence? Now, in the re- postseason, if you look, the numbers are stark. He hit so much better at home than he did on the road in the postseason. I mean, night and day. I mean, he hit like 190 on the road and 400 at home. But in a regular season... His eight thirty, he had an only eight thirty four OPS at home and a thousand eighty on the road. St. John's tonight, big game against Xavier. They need to win that, and they need to beat Seton Hall Sunday if they want to. They need to get some of these big wins if they're going to try and get into the NCAA tournament. Other than, of course, winning the Big East tournament, which they could do. Anybody could do that, but there's a lot of teams you're going to have to beat in what is a very, very balanced league. I mean, there's about six teams that are that are all pretty good in the, in the Big East. Uh, so, I mean, it's not going to be an easy league to win, a t- to win two or three days, you know, to win three or four days in a row. It's going to be very hard in this league for anybody in that conference right now. Uh, the rule changes for this year. Three batter minimum is going to be one that's going to be big. Remember, it does not, if it's an end of inning, it doesn't have to happen, but otherwise it does. If it's in an inning, you guys got to, the relievers got to face three batters in a row. So no more left-handed one out guys. Then the inning, yes, bring him in with two outs, best laid plans, you get him out, but and you'll see that. But if he stays in the game, can't take him out. Roster limits, 26. Goes up to 27 now for special dates. Big one, big one. Smaller roster sizes in September. Only 28 players, 14 pitches max. No more 40 players. That's a big one. A lot of people complain about that. Buck complains about that all the time. That's a big one. Another big one. Manager only have 20 seconds instead of 30 to decide if they're going to replay the play. A lot of times, you know, during games, it was like, you didn't have enough time. Does he have enough time? Can he make the call? Can he make the call? Now it's down to 20 seconds if they enforce it from 30 seconds. That could play, that could be big. There's a couple of other little ones about uh, designating players and injured lists, but those not the big ones. The big ones are three player, three batter minimum, roster size, September roster size, and challenge time. Those are your big ones right now, as far as this year goes. And we know what they're planning as far as the you know you got a thing right now, and you you're probably wondering why are all these leagues right now. Why are all these leagues right now talking about major changes in 
regular season, in the number of playoff teams, in the way we play, in the number of games we play. Why is everybody changing their games right now? Because we're on the verge. We're right at the edge of a new time. We are going to go into this 5G world that you're starting to hear about. And we are also going into this time when streaming is going to completely dominate everybody's existence. And sports programming, sports content in the streaming world is very important because it is live and it is unscripted. When you realize that the NFL stands as not only at the top of the sports content, it is at the top of all content. Anywhere, the NFL will get the highest bids of anything. Olympic Games, which are specialty events, NFL will get the highest of anything. So the amounts of money they will make will be astronomical, which is why when you deal with that and then what's coming once every state is involved in daily sports wagering. And I'm talking about on Phones, sports wagering. Not just at sites, but on mobile devices, sports wagering. That's where it has to be. When you can bet on your phone and you can watch any game on your phone just by pressing a button. So you can get any game. You can get any package. Now, you'll buy it in packages because it'll be cheaper, just like you would buy a bunch of something rather than buy one of something because it could be cheaper. It will be packaged in ways to make it more economical. But right now, we are on the verge of a completely different way of broadcasting sports and digesting sports. You're already seeing it. But so the sports right now are trying to see, okay, how do we readily package our game to fit this model? And that's why... You right now have the NBA sitting down and coming up with a, all kinds of ideas. Baseball just coming up with these radical ideas. Football coming up with radical ideas. You know, we haven't heard from you this in the NHL. You've heard from all three. But what you're talking about is revenues from streaming content, and mobile distribution and mobile consumption of both the gambling product and the viewing product. And that's why you have a lot of people rushing in to buy franchises because they think it's going to escalate the price of franchises enormously. It already has, but that it's going to continue. And that they want to get a part of this and make themselves as attractive as they can for these products, which is coming. And that's why if you pay attention, and you, the only reason I know anything about this because I am not very good with the technological stuff except that I read a lot about it because I invest. That's the only reason I know. And we are on the verge of this 5G revolution, which is coming very quickly. And the streaming stuff, which I do understand the sports end of it, is enormous. An enormous, enormous. And that's why you see content getting bought up everywhere. And that's why you see guys, people selling their content to Radio.com, which I did, Spotify, which others have done, or to different 
groups out there which are buying content and locking up personalities who produce content enormously. And that's what's going to make, as an example, Radio.com is going to be a very big player in all this in the, in the years to come. Uh, so will Amazon, so will Spotify, so will, there'll be a lot of different ones. But my point is that, that this is coming and they're trying, that's why you see such a difference and, and such an outward move to change right now. Where baseball's talking about enormous change and football's talking about enormous change and the NBA's talking about enormous change. And that's why. It's all in advance of what is about to hit. And I'm talking about hitting in the next one to three years. Oh, let me squeeze a couple in here before I say goodbye. John in Norwalk. What's up, John? Yes, John. Not there? All right, Jimmy in Delaware. Go ahead, Jimmy. What's up? Hey, my pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure. What's up? Uh, I'll test this. Have you ever heard why he is adamantly against playing in right field? Um, Any I've, never, I, I've never interviewed Cespedes. I just know, especially from Terry Collins, that he was completely, it was a no, a not, I mean, I know Terry asked him, and he has one of the great throwing arms, so it was like, huh? But I don't know that anybody ever got him to explain, and I sure never did, because I've never even interviewed him. Uh, he, I don't think he's ever on the record, Jimmy, and it's a very good question, why, and thanks for the call, he is so adamant about right field, but he has been... Already heard Eddie Coleman on Radio.com with me earlier today say that Cespedes already said this year it's a non-starter. Already it's a no. And I know for a fact he went in and volunteered against the Yankees to play third base that night. And he was going to play third base against the Yankees. And Terry had sanctioned it. And then Sandy came in and said, he's not playing third base. He saw the lineup and said, get him off there. He's not playing third base. And that was it. And because he had come in and volunteered to play third base. But he will not play right field. He's been asked to play right field. He's got a right field arm, and he refuses to play right field. I do not know why. I have never heard him. Now, he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but I have never heard him give a reason why he doesn't play right field. Sean and Selden, what's up, Sean? Hey, uh, on the topic of uh, Cespedes, um, do you uh, do you foresee this him not talking to the media as being uh, you know turned into something bigger you know down the road with this on the season or uh, you know do you think this is just something for the spring? I th- I don't know, but I I, I think the thing the risk you Hello? run is th- thanks for the call, Sean. We heard I don't know the answer, but here's the thing: this has been a great clubhouse. You got some young budding stars there like Alonzo who are wonderful guys and who handle everything really well. You don't need this story to consume your clubhouse, and this will consume the clubhouse. He will be an issue about him not talking if he continues to not talk because people want to know where he's at. They want to know if he's going to play in preseason. They want to know if he's going to be ready for the regular season. Is he going to go out and play? Now, we're going to see whether he's going to be in games right away or not. But the point is, how does he feel? How is he doing? If you're going to have to have the manager answer these questions, it would be much easier if he asked him rather than then going to each player, how do you think Cespedes looks? How do you think Cespedes looks? They don't want to do that. They don't want to hear that. 
that becomes an annoyance. And the players are saying behind, you know, grumbling, why do I got to answer Cespedes, about Cespedes for? Why doesn't he answer for himself? And that can become an issue on a team that had no issues in that regard. He's a peculiar individual. He's also been a diva. Now, we know he's very talented. But you know what? He also hasn't played in a long time. And the question is, does he still have the same skills? We don't know. Now, we're going to find out. And if he rips the cover off the ball, nobody's going to care. But if he doesn't rip the cover off the ball or if he's not playing, people are going to want to know why. And he might walk around and not tell you why. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program brought to you by those who drink it. Steve Summers is next. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.